Mark chapter 14, verse 12 through 31, God's word says this. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him, one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is the one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes, as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. In verse 22, and as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank all of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And in verse 26, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he emphatically He said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they, that is the disciples, all said the same. This is the word of the Lord. All of scripture is leading to this moment. Every festival and Passover celebration was a type and shadow of this final Passover meal. The scarlet red thread of redemption is interwoven in all of Scripture, culminating in the sacrifice of our Savior on the cross. This story is the eve of that moment in which the thread becomes a little bit more clear. The Messiah has come as the suffering servant of God. Jesus, God in the flesh, is not caught off guard by anything happening you see, the, the redemptive plan was always known. Peter says as, as much in 1 Peter 1.20, he says, He was what foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest, meaning he was, he was made known in the last times for the sake of you. It brings us to one main idea that is clear in this passage. Our main idea is this, Jesus knows all. Jesus knows all. There are four examples of foreknowledge within this passage. 
Jesus knows where they will eat the Last Supper. He sends some of the disciples out to find the man carrying the jug of water. He knows the one who will betray him. He knows in the picture of the the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, he knows he will die. And he also declares what? That he will raise again. He claims that he will go go before them, the disciples in Galilee. He knows that the other disciples, it says, will scatter from him. And he knows that Peter is the infamous one who will deny Jesus three times. Verse 16 says, And the disciples set out and went to the city, hear this, and found it, what? Just as he had told them. Not a mistake, not dumb luck, not happenstance, just as God had intended. And it says, and they prepared the Passover. And so we draw three truths from this passage this morning. Truth number one, Jesus knows betrayal. Jesus knows what it is like to be betrayed. And he knows of his betrayal. Hear this, every single one, of his disciples will flee from him. Every single one of his friends that he has poured into and ministered to and have witnessed his miracles will flee from him. Think of his call to his disciples to deny themselves and to pick up their cross and follow him. But none of them will carry out this calling in the next 24 hours. They will all be, as his word says, scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Because this is the reason. This is the cross that only Jesus can carry. He is the only one worthy. And he knows betrayal First, we look at a betrayal from the one who will betray him with a kiss, Judas. Verses 17 to 21, it says, And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And so they, they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is One of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. We see within this passage a collision of God's sovereignty and foreknowledge, but also human responsibility. Jesus says, for the Son of Man goes as it is, what, written. This is known about that this would happen. This is not a surprise. This is the eternal plan of God. It goes as it is written. And yet the choice of the one betrayer is that person's responsibility. Judas is responsible for his betrayal. It would be better for that person if they were not even born. Those are powerful words. May Jesus never say that about one of us. And yet it's easy to forget as we focus on 
Judas, that Judas was not the only one to betray Jesus, but all of the disciples did. Looking to the end of our passage, verse 27, then we'll focus on verses 29 to 31. It says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, there it is again, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Look at the detail that Jesus gives there. Jesus knows all. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Peter being the leader of the rest of the disciples, it says, and they all said the same. Peter, 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 right? Oh, how we love Peter. I will not deny Jesus. And yet we all know the fulfillment of this prophetic utterance. Peter, what does in fact deny Jesus just as Jesus predicted? And yet it's easy for us sometimes to sit here in judgment of the betrayal of the disciples. But here's the reality. We are all betrayers. We have all betrayed God. We have all sinned and fallen short of our purpose. We were created by God to reflect His glory and His perfect creation. But we've betrayed God in this regard. Before Jesus found us, we were scattered sheep without a shepherd, going our own way, lost in our own folly. It's why the Bible can say in Romans 5, 6, Paul says this, For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for what? The ungodly. And then in verse 10 of Romans 5, Paul says, For if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. While we were in that position, Jesus sought us out and brought us into his family. That's a gift of grace. And so we can't sit here, church, shaking our head at the weakness of these men. Because we are all, in our fallen state, betrayers of God. This is why the gospel literally means what? Good news. Because there has to be bad news in order for there to be good news. And so we begin this morning with the bad news. The bad news is this, that Jesus knows the betrayal of all of us. And yet, while we were in our sin, Christ died for the ungodly. That's amazing grace. Point number two. Jesus knows his death is necessary. Jesus knows his death is is necessary. Now we're brought into the room. They're eating a meal together. Verse 22 says, And as they were 
eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, hear this, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. We witness here in this passage a collision of the old covenant and the new covenant. In these three verses, if we think back to Israel enslaved in Egypt, the unblemished lamb was, that was slaughtered for God's people who were under the weight of slavery in Egypt, it freed them through its shed blood. The shed blood was brushed over the doorpost. Those under the blood of the lamb were, were passed over as the angel of death took the life of the firstborn male child of all the families in Egypt. And God's word says the land cried and wailed and the Israelites were what? They were freed. It is here now about 1,300 years later at this last Passover that the one, Jesus, who the Passover pointed to and pictured is in their midst. Jesus shows through the meal how he is the one sent to suffer and die for his people. His body represented by the bread given to us. He says it's given to you. His body was given to us on the cross. And his shed blood, it ratifies a new covenant. A covenant that has freed those who will place their faith and trust and they would believe upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is, the, this is what the covenant promises. A covenant that promises that his law will be within us. A covenant that says that he is our God. We are no longer enemies of God. We are no longer in our witness, but he is our God. We are his children through the blood of Christ. And a covenant that says this, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's what the shed blood of Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. The sacrifices of all those lambs were just a picture of the final lamb that is to come on the eve of his death, that is Jesus. And it conveys, it conveys that his death is necessary to atone. We use this word atone, atonement, atone for the sins of many, which means to cover, to cover our sins. To set us free. Just as the Israelites, when they were enslaved, were under the covering of the, of the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and then they were set free from the wrath. Those who are in Christ are no longer judged by the weight of the law. For we have entered, I want you to hear this good news, for we have entered into the rest of Jesus. We are resting in Christ. We are resting in his goodness and grace by his death and resurrection. Hebrews 10 says this, 
we'll just kind of book in the passage 10.1 and then we'll skip to verse 12. It says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Why? Because one came that is perfect. Hear this. But when Christ, that is Jesus, had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, what is it? he sat down at the right hand of God. This is why we begin this morning with the bad news. We have all betrayed God. We have all sinned. But God in His goodness and to bring Himself all glory set forth a perfect plan fulfilled by Jesus. The law, the Passover, the exile, they were all pointing to this, to Jesus Christ. In the shadow of the law, we realize that we have all sinned and fallen short of God. In the betrayal of the disciples, we witness our betrayal of our purpose to reflect God's glory in His creation. And yet, even in our sin, His Word says, even in our weakness and enmity with God, He sent His one and only Son to die for you and for me to forgive us from sins. Jesus knows exactly what will happen. And he gives us in this passage the Lord's Supper to picture this ultimate act of love. His death on the cross for the sins of the world. But the story, church, doesn't end with death. Pastor Lockridge is a pastor in San Diego, California. He preached at Calvary Baptist Church. He has a famous poem that he would recite on Easter. And there's a line from that poem. I encourage you, go home, YouTube this, and listen to the whole thing. He says these words. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. (laughs) You just stole my thunder. (laughs) It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's a coming. On Friday is death. On Sunday is life. Point number three, Jesus knows he will be raised to new life. Jesus knows he will be raised to new life. Is the picture becoming clear to you now? Our three points this morning. We have betrayal or our sin against God. We have Jesus predicting his death and instituting the means by which his followers will remember him in the Lord's Supper. His death is an atoning death, a sin-covering death, but God's redemptive plan doesn't end with death. But life, the life of Jesus as the, as the Bible tells us, the first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus predicts this in Mark 1428, he says, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. That's good news, church. The main idea again, what? Jesus knows all. Jesus knows everything. He will go before them. 
And hear this. He goes before all of us who are born of the Spirit of God. In fact, God's Word tells us this in Romans 8, 11. This is good news for the other 11 disciples, including Peter. It says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you are a follower of Christ. That's what it means to be born again of the Spirit of God. Follow me here for a second. We can dwell in sin and and self-pity, or we can move in the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the distinct difference between Peter and Judas. They both betrayed Jesus, didn't they? Why was Judas's betrayal worse than Peter's? Have you ever thought about that? Here's my conclusion to that question, because Judas decided to not only betray Jesus, but also determined to reject Jesus' free gift of grace. Matthew's gospel gives us detail into the demise of Judas. He, it says he deeply regretted betraying Jesus. He knew that Jesus was innocent after he handed Jesus over. And Judas tried to give the blood money back. Remember, he throws the money back at the religious leaders, but they would not take it. So this is what Judas did. Instead of begging for forgiveness, Judas carried out his own sin. He carried it on his shoulders. And in his sin and shame, he turned away from Jesus in self-pity. And he carried his betrayal on his own shoulders. Or literally, he carried it around his neck. And he went out to a tree, and he tied a noose, and he wrapped it around his neck, and he died a terrible death, carrying his own sin and shame. And he's paying an eternal penalty for his uncovered sin. But Peter, Peter received the Spirit of God. And in the power of the Spirit, the one who denied ever knowing the Savior preaches a bold sermon of the gospel in Acts chapter 2. After receiving the gift of the Spirit, the Spirit is God's advocate. He says these words in Acts chapter 2 verse 24. Hear this. Peter, certain, he has seen the resurrected Christ. He has been filled with God's Holy Spirit. He says this, God raised him up. He said, loosing the pangs of death. What beautiful language. And hear this, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. The grave couldn't hold him, church. This is the difference between Peter and Judas. Judas carried his own sin to his death. Peter cast his sin upon Jesus. And he followed Jesus under the power of the Spirit. And hear this, this morning, those of you who sit here this morning, we have this same offer, this free gift. Our last point, Jesus invites you to his table of grace. Jesus invites you to his table of grace. Will you receive his invitation? Will you receive his invitation? 
Romans 7 says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that, hear this, so that you may belong to another. In Christ you belong to Him, to Him who has been raised from the dead. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, our sin held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Thank you, God. And so let us reflect on Judas and Peter a little bit more. We're going to look at Judas in in two different ways. Some of you are like Judas in one of two ways. And I say this to you as a warning because I love you. And I want you to come out of a life of sin and death and I want you to walk in the light of Christ. The first way we look at Judas is this. You are walking in blindness to your own betrayal of him. There's scales over your eyes. You don't even know it. You are walking in sin, blind to your spiritual need of a Savior. You compare yourself to your neighbor and you say, I'm not that bad. But we are compared to a holy and righteous and perfect God. And we pale in comparison to Him. We always fall short. I call to you this morning, those of you who relate to Judas in that way, you're not even aware. Come awake! Come awake! Receive the Savior who has defeated death in the grave and live new life in Christ. Some of you are like Judas in another way, though. You know Jesus. You know about him. You know he's the Savior. As Judas came to recognize after his betrayal, there's a head knowledge there. But your heart hasn't been regenerated. You've not received the Spirit of God. You know about Jesus, but you're not in relationship with Jesus. And yet you keep carrying your sin on your own shoulders. You keep carrying that guilt. You keep crucifying yourself for the wrongs. You just can't believe as you sit here this morning that God would love you in a way that redeems you from your sin. Today's the day. Today's the day. Don't be like Judas and reject Jesus by carrying your own sin. Cast your sin upon him. Lay it at the feet of the cross and run to the open arms of Jesus, our Savior. All of it. Leave it at the foot of the cross and receive his invitation to the table of grace. Finally, many of you are like Peter. You know where you were. You know you were a betrayer. You know you were a sinner. But you've received the covering of your sin by believing upon the finished work of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I call to you this morning. 
rest. Rest in his mercy and grace. But his word also says that Peter was filled with the power of the Spirit. Walk in the power of the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You're no longer dead. You're alive in Christ. And be willing, just as Peter was, to boldly proclaim the good news of the gospel to a lost and broken world. Rest in Jesus, Christian.